0: As we get started today, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 3 and 4. Yes, I'm serious. I'm totally serious. It really happened. You're it kidding me. Incredible. I'm sorry.
1: John, all right, I, I got I to go. Bye. Real quick, I'm sorry. Are you I, serious? I, I'm serious. This is awesome. You aren't going to believe what happened. You're right. I'm no, not, no, not no, believing no. it right now. No, You've you got to hear this. Okay. You've been talking about getting out in the, in the public and everything and, and sharing God's Word and everything. Right. Well, uh, I was over at UAH this morning, you know, and I've been jogging and everything. And there's that that cripple guy that, that's always down by the pond. And I went over there and there's this little he was right there beside this little duck that'd been pecked on and everything, a really nasty looking duck. And,
0: and, <laughs> cripple he guy a duck. and he
1: looked up at me because he's the guy that always feeds all the ducks okay, out okay. there, right? And they yeah. had a duck feeder over there, but he's sitting there with this duck and he looks up at me and I noticed he had no bread or no, no food, right? And so I just looked down at him. And I said, feed and duck, duck bread, I have none, but what I have you, I give to you the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up, and you won't believe this.
0: You're right.
1: That duck rose right up, and it only had one leg, <laughs> and it just started hopping around. And I mean, it started going, well, pure Pandalorium broke that's out. Pandemonium. That's what I said. Pandalorian. Right, pandemonium. One-legged duck just charged right through into the other ducks, and they just started pecking and screaming and squawking. And he th- he'd think, that's all. No. I mean, oh, there's more! Where, yeah, the, the duck. the One-legged duck's charging through. I mean, he's going faster than these other ducks. He's out running those. And then, you know, the gander geese that's over on the other right. side, went right. right straight through them. Dude. There was honking. There was quacking. There was like, pure like mandalorian was going Pandemonium. On. Man, that's what I said. Right. right. Anyway, there has got to be... I mean, you could see God working... Through this whole the whole there's, thing, and I just there's got to be a sermon in this.
0: There has got to you be a sermon hey, in this. Thanks, Joe. I'll uh, I'll take that in consideration. Hey, do me a favor. Next time, let's wait till after Sunday to give just me an you idea. To, you know, so. I appreciate it though. I'll, with the thank you. The one duck, the legged one-legged duck. Isn't that awesome? it's, it's amazing. Awesome. Praise God. That's amazing. Well. Pandemonium. You see it? You see it? By, by definition, wild and noisy, disorder, confusion, uproar. We've never experienced that here, have we? Today, um, or I, I have to tell you this. I was looking up meanings for pandemonium. I had an idea what it meant. Uh, that's an actual definition, wild and noisy disorder or confusion. But then I found this other little tidbit. And if you've ever played Dungeons and Dragons, you know that pandemonium is a large complex cavern that never ends. So any of you dice rolling? There's one. Yes. All right. This one's for you. Uh, I just thought, wow, Dungeons and Dragons will never go away. It just it keeps coming back, even in definitions. Um, so that's what it is. Today we're talking about pandemonium. We're talking about what happens when the Holy Spirit of God is unleashed And how people in the world react to it. So as we look at Acts chapter 3 and 4, we're going to see several areas of pandemonium today. And I want to share them with you. Uh, We'll be using the first definition, by the way. uh, Wild and noisy disorder, confusion, uproar. And and what I want you to understand, though, is is when pandemonium like that happens, it's not always a bad thing. The end result is not always bad. It's not always as glorious as a one-legged duck running through the geese. But pandemonium is not always a bad thing will you pray with me father god i thank you again for the opportunity we have to to look into your word i pray that that we can make it real and and we can apply it to our lives and so lord as we as we go into the book of acts i just pray that that it'll be just uh sharp and crisp and and just a very clear contrast of of what we're called to do here today so that we can impact our world for you it's in your son's name i pray Amen. I'm going to start right off with Acts chapter 3. Uh, go ahead and turn there. And, and verse 1, we're going we're gonna to read through some of this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight some things. We're going we're gonna to explain some things. We're just going to get into how this can, can really impact what we do today. Uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a crippled man from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day... To beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's Feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. They should write a little children's song about that. <laughs> jumping. And, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, Peter doesn't miss a beat. He goes on, verse 11, he speaks to them. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished, and they came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant that you handed him over to be killed. And you disowned him before Pilate. Though he had decided to let him go, you disowned the holy, the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. He goes on, verse 15, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this by faith in the name of Jesus. This man whom you see and know was made strong. It is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that is given this Complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus he must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets for Moses said the Lord your God will in excuse me the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people you must listen to everything he tells you anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people indeed All the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples of earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Now that's a sermon. That right there will preach. I'm done. No. Uh, You talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit and unleashed. I want to look at a few things that kind of set up this whole scenario for Pandalarium. And first off, Peter and John are going into the synagogue to pray. (laughs) They do it on a regular basis. They're going in. It's about three in the afternoon. and, And they come upon a lame man and he's asking for money. I don't know if they knew at the time that this man had been crippled from birth or not. Or if they found that out later. But nonetheless, they're walking into the synagogue and this man asks them for something. And right there, they have a choice to make. They, they could have walked on by. They could have, could have never even given this man a second look. Apparently, he was there every day. It wasn't a new sight to them. They, they could have said something to them, to the man along the lines of, of get a job or don't you have a family to care for you or let the people that carried you up here take care of you. They, they could have been very crass and very ugly, uh, but they knew what they were about. You see, if you were here last week, or if you were listening last week online, um, they had their ologies in the right order. You could say, they, they had their Christology and their Missiology and their Ecclesiology in the proper perspective, so to speak. So what do they do? That they, they first get this man's undivided attention. They're like, "Look at us!" And I'm sure he's thinking, "Oh, I've hooked somebody. They're, they're going to give me something." And, and, and so they get his undivided attention and, and thinking they're probably going to throw him a few coins or maybe some bread or something. I, I could imagine he probably even straightened up a little bit and, and kind of presents himself because most people that, that come by someone begging, they just kind of toss, toss some money at him and keep walking. But they say, look at us. So he gives him his attention. Now, now, right here is where you can see that the apostles had learned a thing or two from watching Jesus as he had close encounters with people. Because here's a man that's asking for money, but what he really needed was a life change. He didn't need spare change. He needed a life change. And what he could really use was a complete healing of his crippled body. And, and, and that's what's going on. And, and, and when you think about it, what's really going to resonate with someone in this man's situation? A, a few more coins now or the ability to go and work and provide after you've spent your whole life as a beggar. You know, have the ability to provide for his family. And not only that, the knowledge that that gift was because of Jesus Christ is the reason he was being healed. And then they say to him, we don't have any money. I'm thinking for an instant he was probably like, oh, man. (sighs) Let me get another speech about, you know, bless you, my brother, you know. Nah, they said, we don't have any money. But what we do have, we will give you. Oh, good. I needed another cloak. Thanks. I, I don't know. I'm kind of cynical when I think about these situations, I guess. But at this very moment, you know, he's thinking, great. There's some well-wishers. I don't, I don't want your sympathy. I don't, I don't want your pity. It's bad enough. My friends had to drag me here and set me down. Just go on. But they unleash something on him far beyond his wildest dreams. They say to him, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Walk taking him by the right hand. They helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Now I have to wonder what was going through his head as Peter and John pull him to his feet. I-, I wonder if he was like, no, 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 wait, wait. I- I've never walked. <laughs> I mean, you watch, you've had kids, you've had grandkids, you've seen, you if you haven't had them or you've seen them and they take those first wobbly steps and here's a full grown person. Five feet, nine maybe, I don't know. And they've, pull him up to his feet and he's never stood before as far as we know so the pandemonium begins right there just in this man's mind whoa do you know what you're doing i can't walk hold on they pull him to his feet and just outside the door of the church so to speak the pandemonium starts to happen they didn't ask him i'm gonna tell you what they didn't do they didn't ask the man did he have faith they didn't ask him to, to commit to coming into church and to going inside the synagogue and praying and giving offerings. They didn't ask him to give any money. They didn't say, if, if you give us money, we'll heal you. They, they didn't do it that way. They didn't, they didn't say, uh, you know, if we give you money, you're just going to spend it on liquor or something to, to wash away your sorrows. They didn't say that to him. They didn't even ask him if he wanted to walk. They just said, walk, and pulled him to his feet, and instantly his feet and ankles became strong. Could could you imagine every day at three o'clock you go to the church to pray and every day you see the same lame guy not well the same guy who's crippled we'll go there we maybe see a lot of we see a lame guy preaching no um (laughs) you see the same lame guy and and you some days you maybe give him a coin or or a piece of bread or or something or, or a happy meal or whatever and and some days Maybe you're just having a bad day and you don't want to come to the church to to worship because you've had a bad day and you see the guy sitting there and he's needing something and you just kind of sneer at him and you're just ugly. Maybe you think to yourself how worthless he is. Oh, what a waste of space. You're still sitting there. You You were sitting at that traffic light last week and all of a sudden on this day, you're walking into church and you see this man dancing he didn't have time for a wardrobe change. He's still wearing whatever he's been wearing the last couple of years. And now he's dancing. He's excited. Uh, I don't know what kind of dance he's doing, but I'd love to see it because, you know, dancing's a talent. And I'm assuming if you've never walked, you've probably never danced. So <laughs> I'll bet it looked good. But apparently he drew a crowd with his newfound movement. And And this is the great thing. Peter does not miss a chance to preach the gospel. I already shared with you the first part of what he said, but but first off, they heal this man, and then, and then they start church outside of church, so to speak, because they haven't even got into the door. They're just in the in the Solomon's colonnade, so to speak, right outside the door. And Peter doesn't hold back; he lays it down on the line for the audience. He doesn't miss a beat. He's explaining here that this miracle, first off, comes from Jesus, and how the people that watched this miracle, that are seeing it right now, how they rejected Jesus. He's calling them heathens. He's name-calling. He's like, what's wrong with you people? You rejected this stone. You were the ones that rejected him. When he was among you, but he he spins it around. You better not reject him any longer. Pandemonium, brothers and sisters. Pandemonium. They're on the edge. They're like, oh, they're saying stuff, and it's affecting me. Look at what happens next in Acts chapter 4. Peter and John, uh, this this is the best part right here, in my opinion. The priests... And the captain of the temple guards and the Sadducees come up to Peter and John while they're speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus's and in, in the Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. And the number of men grew to about 5,000. Now, those of you that were here last week or listening last week, you got a spoiler alert on this. And I hope you all went home and read up on this amazing Unleashed event because it it just keeps going. Verse 5, chapter 4 of Acts. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Let, Let me set it for you like this. They're inside the synagogue waiting for everyone to come in so that they can pray and, and give their monies and, and do the things. I, I talked about this a couple weeks ago with Innumerable. Um, that's what they're waiting on. But it happens outside the doors. So first off, they get mad because essentially nobody has come to church now. They're all outside listening to Peter preach. And he's preaching that the people inside, the, the priest and the temple guard and the Sadducees, that they misled everybody. Okay, they have said some harsh things to the religious rulers, the religious leaders of that day. It's pretty bold. So here they are by name. Annas, the high priest, was there. So were Caiaphas, John, Alexander and the other men of the high priest's families. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Here it comes. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, here it comes. Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone Here comes the pandemonium. These guys, I I could just imagine their faces in this room. All of these religious, pious people going, "Ah, "Nah, say it isn't so. He goes on, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. You see this? When when we allow the Spirit of God to dwell in us and, and lead us and strengthen us and truly unleash us, then we will represent God and his son courageously. Look at verse 13. I love this part. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Here's what I get and what I want to share with you out of verse 13. You don't have to have a Bible college degree or you don't have to have a master's in theology to share Jesus with people. Peter and John were unschooled, ordinary men. They didn't grow up in the church. They were called out by Jesus. They spent time with him, but they were unschooled, ordinary men who were filled with the Holy Spirit and unleashed on the world with a message that brought in-your-face pandemonium to the people and really all that is, is the people hearing them, making a choice. Because how it works out, what, what really makes it pandemonium is not the message. What makes it pandemonium is the ones who heard and received salvation, the 5,000 on that very day, they um, they, they were people that they were preaching to, and those men were never the same again. But the ones with hardened hearts, those religious leaders, the, the Sadducees, the, the temple priests, the ones who... Who, who had hardened hearts or, or a fear of losing a prominent position with the, within the religious order, to them it was pandemonium. It was blasphemous. It was all these things. The point is this. Anytime we go up against God, knowing what is right, but doing the opposite, the outcome is always pandemonium for us you understand that? Because that's what's happening. You have these religious, religious leaders and they're kind of going up against God. They're going, Hell, hold on, you can't heal people. And they're saying, no, this is by the power of Jesus Christ whom you rejected. So these, these leaders are going up against God and it's creating pandemonium because they're seeing it with their very own eyes that these people are being healed. They're seeing amazing things happen, but they just can't agree to it. Verse 15. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. See, they're, they're battling God. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. Oh, I'd like just an ounce of that boldness on a daily basis in my life. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Do you see this? All they did was heal a man and preach a sermon and pandemonium broke out with five thousand people being added to the number of Christians that day. I'm a little more tempted to say that revival broke out, but there was definite pandemonium. They they got arrested for crying out loud. And then then they're told not to preach or even speak in Jesus' name again. Now, if we're being honest, most of us would be like, "Uh, okay, we'll keep quiet. We won't do it anymore. 5,000, that's a good place to stop. That's that's a mega church. We'll let those 5,000 go on. We're just going to quiet down. Because that's how we are when we're confronted. When somebody says to us at work or at school, you can't say that here you're at work or you can't wear that shirt here you're at school. You can't do that about Jesus. Yeah, yeah, you can. And don't stop. These guys got arrested and they didn't say, okay, we're done. You know, we, sometimes we won't even go and tell a coworker or a neighbor or a friend that we know is blatantly struggling with a sin that we love them enough to die for them. And Peter and John are looking the temple guards and the priests and the Sadducees right in their faces. And they're basically saying to them, you do what you have to do because we will preach and teach in his name. There's nothing you can do short of death to stop us. Man, that's pandemonium. And if every one of us lived our lives that way, there'd be amazing things happening in this community. I want to continue on. Look at verse 21. After further threats, they let them go. How awesome is that? You got the temple guard threatening you. And you know you've got, You know, I always say, you plus God is a majority, <laughs> okay? And here's two men, temple guard, all these people threatening you. Stop it, stop it, stop it. They're like, pfft. <laughs> We've got God on our side. We're going to obey him. So further threats, they couldn't decide how to punish him because all the people were praising God for what had happened. <sighs> what a horrible thing. Do you hear them? They're praising God. And it's not because of what you did, high priest, Because of what Jesus did. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. They let them go. And you know where they went? Into hiding. No, they didn't go into hiding. They went to their own people. They reported what had happened. And the believers pray this amazing prayer. And I want you to listen to this prayer because it's really intense. And it starts at verse 24. When they heard this, that being the believers, they heard the story... They raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Okay, here's where it starts to get good. They get real specific. And let me just tell you this. When you get real specific with God and he gets real specific right back with his answer, oh man, he's about to unleash some amazingness right here. They say to the Lord in their prayer, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They don't tell them to take away the enemy. They say, consider the threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant. They're praying for more pandemonium. I want to pause here for a second. Have you ever asked God to enable you to speak his word with great boldness? You don't have to answer that out loud, but think on that for a minute. Have you ever asked God that you would have the ability to speak his word with boldness, with courage? Have you ever asked him to do something amazing through you for his glory, not your own? Have you ever just simply asked him to allow you to be his vessel, to be something that he could fill up with his Holy Spirit so that you could be poured out over someone else's life so that they would come to know Jesus? If you haven't, I want to challenge you to ask God that you would be bold like Peter and John to do that in your life this week. You want to see God in action? You want to see innumerable growth in his church? You want to see pandemonium in the lives of your coworkers as God begins to turn their world upside down with his love and grace? It starts by praying for God to move through you. And then you have to let him. Look at verse 31 after they prayed the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly pandemonium again. What started with two people going to church going to pray and then speaking boldly in front of the synagogue ends with a whole place being physically shaken and everyone in it being filled with the Holy Spirit and then going on from there. I, I got this little insert um, from Kermit, and it's from his nephew, and he preaches at First Christian Church in Villa Grove, Illinois. And it's amazing how often these things fall in line with what I'm preaching. But today it was, it was in pretty sharp contrast. He says, and he's talking about these verses in Acts chapter 4, and what he wrote is this, I've never felt a building shake at a prayer meeting, but I've seen God's power at work. When I've tried to help repair a broken marriage or a divided church, I've asked those involved to pray. Sometimes they refuse. Other times, though, they mumbled carefully worded prayers, and those meetings failed, and those families failed. But occasionally, someone would pray in earnest. Almost immediately, the atmosphere changes and countercharges. You see, when we pray sincerely, praising God and seeking His glory, great things must happen. Or excuse me, great things happen. And prayer must always come from the heart. That, that situation where the believers prayed, that was from the heart. And they prayed it and great things happened. The Bible tells us they, they all spoke boldly the word of God. But it doesn't stop there. Because they go on, it says the believers share their possessions. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed as anyone had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field that he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. What a novel idea. We start off with two Christian people taking care of a non-Christian person. Uh, We say that because he wasn't inside the temple. And I'm sure he wanted to be in there. And he he probably wanted to be saved. But for some reason they just wouldn't get him all the way to the door. But it starts off with two people reaching out to someone. And that's someone having healing and knowing Jesus Christ. And it turns into 5,000 people becoming followers that day. And, And as we read through the end of the chapter... It tells us this this novel idea where Christians are working together. Not just in spreading the gospel, but in loving one another. That's, That's unity of the church right there. Working together. No one was ever swamped over financially. There's another pandemonium moment. Look at the process. The Bible says they were all one in heart and mind. They shared everything they had, they shared it freely. They didn't loan to one another. They gave whatever was needed. But they worked together in testifying. Brothers and sisters, we're all together right now, but if we leave here and we all just separate and we're not working together hand in hand in the community, where are they going to see what God's wanting? Would you like to see uh, pandemonium here in Huntsville? Listen, it's not just the job of the preacher to go out and share the word of Jesus Christ. It's not just the job of the elders or the deacons or the Sunday school teachers. I told you last week, Ecclesia, we are the called out ones. It's all of our job, wherever you go. Make pandemonium happen. Preach boldly. Share Jesus. Pandemonium in Huntsville. Would you like to see pandemonium in your schools? Really, see your schools turned upside down where they care about one another, where they care about the community, where they care about their world, your workplace, your neighborhood. I'd like to see pandemonium right here in Huntsville Christian Church. I'd like to see it break out where nobody could deny what's happening here, not because of me or because of our great leadership, but because the Word of God is sharp and it's active. It's living and breathing and it's showing us as individuals what we need to do and where we need to go and how we need to accomplish things for his glory. We got to put ourselves out there. Risk everything that you have for God. You want to see the Holy Spirit unleashed? Then God needs to see you on your knees asking for his way and his will. Asking for his boldness. The simple message to share uh, so that you can share that message with the people in your life that Jesus loves them enough to die for them. You know, we sit back all the time. We see these stories about great things happening where, where um, you know, a young person made a huge difference for people in Africa or where somebody did something amazing and you think, wow, I wish I could do that. You can, but it has to start somewhere. And if we're not willing to put ourselves before God and ask him boldly like the church did, Lord, help us be bold. Help us speak boldly for you. We're not gonna go anywhere but to church and home, and work, and school. And God has so many more places for us to go. As we sing our decision song today, I ask that you stand with us and think on those things. What is God calling you to do? If you have a decision that that you need to make, go ahead, come forward and share with us. But the ultimate thing is that we will be unleashed, that wherever we go from here this week, We can share pandemonium in the name of Jesus. Will you sing with us?